for letting me be back today. It's good to be with you, and uh, hopefully you came uh, excited to worship the Lord today and uh, just praise Him. That was good singing. I always enjoy the singing. Wonderful today. Enjoy the hymns and different arrangements, and especially love that song uh, that y'all sang. You say you wrote that song? Where did he go? There he is. You wrote that? That, that was good. I enjoyed that. So keep writing them. Write some more. There's not enough good music being written today. A lot of stuff. Some of it you can't understand, but uh, that was good. I enjoyed it. If you have a Bible with you this morning, uh, you want to turn with me, turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. We'll be there for a little while this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 30. So, I like macaroni and cheese and ice cream, just not together. Thought I'd go ahead and get that in. There was some discussion about macaroni earlier and ice cream. I like both of them, but just not together. So, I think as long as you keep them separated, you'll be all right, okay? The Bible does teach separation, okay? So, you got to keep the food groups in order. 1 Samuel chapter 30, uh, and if you'll, if you'll take just a moment, take a deep breath, and ask the Lord to help you today, I believe He will. I can't do anything for you, but the Lord can. God's Word can. And uh, if, if you'll just uh, get it settled in your heart that this morning you want Him to do something for you, then I believe that He'll help you from His Word. We're going to read four verses here. We're going to talk about this chapter. We're going to read four verses as we get started this morning. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. We'll stop reading right there. And I want to preach to you for just a little while. That phrase there in verse 4 until they had no more power to weep. If you would, pray with me. Father, we love you this morning. We're so thankful that we have the opportunity to gather together as your people this morning, Lord. It's possible that there might be someone here today, Lord, that's not your child. They've never received the free gift of salvation by your grace, Lord. I pray, God, that this morning that you'd just send the Holy Spirit to speak to their heart and let them know that they need a Savior, and that's what you are here for. That's what you came to do, Lord, is to provide salvation for us. Lord, that they could be adopted into your family. They could understand what it means to be a Christian, to be a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, the Holy Spirit will just speak to their heart today about that. And those of us that are here that are saved today, God, help us to understand that life sometimes is full of trials and tribulations. It's full of ups and downs and heartaches and problems and things that we don't always understand. 
But God, that you help us through those. You allow them for a reason in our life and you promise that you'll get us through those things, Lord, and you'll teach us through those things. You'll help us to be the people that you desire for us to be. God, I pray as we look at this passage in your word this morning, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would just speak to my heart. Uh, Lord, that you would just use me. Uh, Lord, there's nothing I can do but only what you can do. So may you add your blessing to the reading of your word this morning. Open our hearts, open our ears, Lord, that we might receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 4, he says that they wept until they had no more power to weep. If you know very much about the context of what's going on here, David is hanging out in the wrong place, number one. He's not where he should be. He's hanging out kind of in the enemy's camp uh, around with the Philistines, and uh, they're going out to battle, and David is ordered to take his men and go away from the battle uh, because they're afraid that if they get down there fighting against uh, David's people, uh, that David might turn on them and start fighting for his people again. He's kind of just being in the neutral zone here, so to speak. And uh, so they send him back to this city of refuge. That's what Ziklag is. It's a city of refuge uh, where he could hide out him and his men. So they send him back there. But in the process of going back, uh, the Amalekites come and raid the city. uh, And it's pretty clear there what happened. They stole everything they could steal, and they burned it to the ground. Now, they didn't harm anybody. They didn't kill anybody. They just stole everything. They took it all, and they burned the city, the buildings, what was left. They burned it to the ground. So when David and those men got back, that was all they found there. Now, if you notice in verse 1, it said David and his men. These were a group of fighting men. David uh, commanded soldiers and armies. But there was a special group of men that was always with David. And these, if we had to think of them today, they would be like the baddest of the bad. You know, these are the ones that get the job done. These would be the ones that you send in first, whatever group you want to call them. These are the ones. They're men's men, if you could say it that way. They're not afraid of anything. Nothing bothers them. Tears are something they don't know anything about. But when they come back and they find everything that they have gone, their wives and their children all gone and taken, the Bible said that they wept until they had no more power to weep. There's a cause for the distress in their life here. Sometimes you and I go through things in life. This church is in a place right now where it's going through distress. It's going through a period of time when Honestly, you just don't know what to do. There's going to be times like that in our lives, not just as individuals, but as a group of people together. You you will experience that as a family. You'll lose loved ones sometimes. Sometimes divorce takes place in a family. There's, There's tragedy, there's heartache that comes to families. So it's not just individuals, it's families. It's not just families. Sometimes it's, it's a, a group of people that may work together. Sometimes it's like this. It's a church family. It's God's people that are together. And, and something happens, it just it knocks you off your foundation and you just don't know what to do. 
Well, that's exactly what happened here in the life of David and these men. And God's given us a prescription, if you will. He, he's given us uh, things, some steps that we can take, things that we can do uh, when life deals us more than we can handle and we think we just can't deal with it. Uh, and it will. Nobody's exempt from problems. Nobody's exempt from troubles. Nobody's exempt from heartache. Uh, those things will come. And I'll go as far as to say this. If you're God's child here today and you're walking with Him and you are trying to follow Him and serve Him, you better know you'll have trouble in your life. If you say, well, I just got it good, preacher. Nothing ever, I don't ever have any trouble. Nothing ever bothers me. I don't have any heartache. I don't have any pain. Well, you know, you're just testifying to the fact that you're not following the Lord. That's the truth. Because the Bible says plainly, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you live for God and you try to live a godly life and you try to live the right kind of life, you're going to go through heartaches and troubles. The devil will make sure of it. I don't have a lot of goals in life, but one of my goals is to wake up every day and live in such a way I'll give the devil indigestion all day long. My wife says, that ain't hard to do. I give it to her a whole lot. You understand what I'm saying? If you live for the Lord and you love Him, the devil's going to make sure opposition comes your way. And any time a group of people decide they want to do something for the Lord, and they want to by faith trust God and see what God can do, the devil wants to do everything he can to stop it, to destroy it to make sure that it doesn't happen. And problems come in life. So there's the cause for this distress, and really you can't pinpoint it. Uh, some people say it's God's way of trying to get David back where he ought to be, uh, but for whatever reason, uh, God allowed this to happen, uh, and the Amalekites came along uh, and, and made waste of the city. Now, if we're just honest, if we're students of God's word, and we go all the way back to Moses and the children of Israel coming out of the land of Egypt and Joshua leading them into the land of Canaan, this problem could have been solved, couldn't it? You know, we see turmoil and trouble in the Middle East still today, don't we? Who's fighting over there? The Palestinians, they call them. The Muslims, all these different groups. And they all hate who? Little Israel. Well, if Joshua... And the people would have done what God told them to when they went into the land the first time. Wouldn't be any problems today because God said kill everything that's moving, stomp out all the dogs and burn them and kill all the fleas and don't let nothing survive. He said, my Bible don't say that. Well, mine says it in between the lines. Really, if you read the Old Testament, that's what he said. He said to kill everything, all the different ites, all the peoples. So there wouldn't be any problems if they would have just done what? Obeyed. Most of the time our problems in life come from disobedience. And whether or not this is because David disobeyed, I can't say that. But we know David was in a place he shouldn't have been to start with. But for whatever reason, the distress comes into his life and there's a problem in his life. And it caused great turmoil and upset. Look at verse 5. The two wives were taken, verse number 6, and David was greatly distressed. 
greatly distressed. That word distressed literally means he was turned inside out. If I had a coat on, I'd take it off and pull the sleeve out and show you. That's exactly what that means. You know what it feels like when you say, I feel like I had my insides ripped out. You, you get the wind knocked out of you. Well, that's exactly what David was feeling. That's what he was experiencing. And the Bible said that he was greatly distressed. He was literally turned inside out. Why? Because the people wanted to stone him. All of these men, these warriors, these fighters, these mighty men, they were grieved in their soul. And they spake a stone in David. So he was distressed. Why? Look at the last part of the verse. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. Those children were wonderful up here. That was a great job singing. They all excited. Teenagers here today. You let somebody mess with your babies. And what's going to happen? Them little hairs on the back of your neck is going to stand out straight. And, and there's going to be some hot stuff well up inside of you and you'll fight whoever needs fighting for however long you need to fight them to protect them children well the Bible's clear that's what happened they was mad at David because their sons and daughters are gone their families have been taken and David used that leading us in battle it's your fault so they got mad and turned on him wanted to stone him but look at what David did I'm going to give you four things here Four things that God gives us in this passage that will help us when we don't know what to do. The Bible says at the end of verse 6 there, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Number one, be thankful. Be thankful. We have to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Most of the time when things happen to us, it's real easy if we're not walking with the Lord if our heart is not wanting to follow the Lord, it's real easy just to turn to the way of the world. It's real easy just to turn to whatever's comfortable and whatever's easy for us in life. For a lot of people, that might be alcohol. For a lot of people, it might be some type of drug. For a lot of people, it might just be depression and laziness. For a lot of people, you could just go down the list. But we turn to something that the world has to offer in times of despair. We just want to sit down and quit. We want to give up. But David encouraged himself. That's the same thing as strengthening. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And the Bible's very clear here. He is God. Sometimes... You may go through things and you wonder why you can't find encouragement. You might come to church and, and you think, well, why can't I get the same thing out of it everybody else is getting out of it? Why can't I enjoy it like they do? Why can't I understand it? Why doesn't it mean something to me? Because the Bible says that only the spiritual can understand the spiritual things. And to be spiritual means that you have to be saved. He has to be your God. That means that we have to get to that place in life that we confess that we're sinners. We acknowledge the fact that we need a Savior and we accept His free gift of salvation. It's by grace through faith. 
He gives it to us by His grace and we accept it on our faith. We trust it. We believe it. That's all there is to it. But you have to get to that place that you do that. That you're willing to acknowledge it. Most people, their problem with salvation and, and they're real religious but they don't have a relationship is because they got too much pride to admit that they're actually a sinner. Well, I'm not so bad. Well, you're not so good either. I'm not so bad as so-and-so, but you're not so good as them other so-and-sos. She's just somewhere in there. But God's made provision, and it's through Jesus Christ. So we have to learn, number one, to be saved. Number two, to be thankful for what he's done for us. Those are, they go together, but you, you can't experience thankfulness and you can't be encouraged in the Lord until that you know that you're His child because that's what unlocks the treasures of heaven. That's what unlocks the blessing of God in our life, knowing that we're children of His. Uh, kids in the neighborhood can come over to my house and I'll be kind to them. I'll give them some things, you know, and give them a popsicle and toss the baseball with them, something like that. You know, you be free. But they're not my kids. So they don't get all the benefits that my kids get. You understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of people that want to play with the things of God, but they don't really ever get to enjoy all the things of God because they're not His kids. They're not willing to admit that they need a Savior. But David was, we know that. David was a man after God's own heart. He sought after the Lord. He wanted to do the right things. So he learned to be thankful and he encouraged himself in the Lord. Let me give you a couple of verses from the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19 and 20. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, we're just to get excited even in the midst of troubles. Just sing. Just sing. Sometimes, I'm a preacher, I love preaching. I'm not a singer. I can't, God did not call me to sing. I can sing... Y'all know Dennis Russell, the director over at the funeral home here at Leeds. He's a friend of mine. Help him some with funerals and work up at the funeral home with him occasionally when he needs some extra help and all. And uh, people have requested that we sing a couple of songs occasionally. And, and they request that we sing so low nobody can hear us on a hill far away. <laughs> I never have figured that out, but that's what they do. But do you know that singing can bring joy? It, it can lift your spirits. It can encourage you. And God told us to sing, to make melody in our hearts. Psalms, quote the Psalms, read the Psalms, spiritual hymns. All of those things have to do with our heart and can encourage us and strengthen us. And he says, in giving thanks always for all things, even for the problems even for the troubles, because they open doors for opportunities that we might have never known about. Oppositions are just opportunities. Uh, didn't we talk about that Wednesday night? Was that? Yeah. Oppositions are opportunities. That's all they are. Opportunities to serve the Lord and to watch Him do something great in your life. Be thankful. Don't be bitter. Be better. 
Sometimes all we got in life is God and each other, and we just have to be encouraged in the Lord, and we can be strengthened by God's Word, be encouraged in the Lord. So how do we do that? We learn to be thankful. Let's be thankful. We can always find something to complain about, but boy, it sure is a lot more uh, easy at night when we just sit down with a piece of paper and count our blessings and be thankful. Number two, number two, be prayerful. Verse number eight, the Bible says, And David inquired at the Lord. He prayed. He prayed. We can pray about everything. We don't ever have to wonder about anything. I think we mentioned that Wednesday night. Nehemiah even, uh, when he was, he prayed a lot, eight different prayers in 13 chapters in the book of Nehemiah. One of those is in chapter 2. He's before the king, and the king understood, and he knew something was wrong with Nehemiah. He, he knew he felt bad about something, and he asked him, and of course Nehemiah told him what was wrong, and the king said, well, Nehemiah, what can I do to make it better? And all of a sudden, Nehemiah was standing there, and he didn't know what to do. And the Bible said, and I asked the Lord. He talked to God real quick while he was right there before the king. So sometimes it's okay just to throw up a little quick one. God, what do you want me to do? God, what should I do here? Don't decide on your own. There's all kind of prayers for all kind of things. The problem is we just need to talk to him. We just need to pray and talk to him. If he's our father, Jesus said, our father who art in heaven, he's given them a model. This is how you ought to pray. This is our father and he's in heaven and this is what you ought to talk to him about and how you ought to pray these different elements of prayer. The very first thing is, is he's your daddy. Well, do y'all ever call your daddy on the telephone and talk to him like you talk to God? Helloest thou, fatherest, I am so gladdest that I was able to talketh to thee today over the telephoneth. Is that how we talk to our dads? Dad, man, I'm in trouble. I need some help. Can you? I've got three sons, and one of them calls me right regular now that he's in the business and doing things. And Hey, I need this. Can you do that? Where are you at right now? I understand what it feels like to be on God's side. And you know what? I learned it. God wants me to call him. He wants to hear from me. He wants to help me. He wants to meet my need. He wants to do whatever it is that needs doing. The problem is, is a lot of times I just don't ring his number. I just don't call him. I don't pray like I ought to. The Bible says that David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this truth? Shall I overtake them? David was, here's the difference in our English, I guess, our grammar. David was not saying, Can I? He was saying, May I? Because David knew he could track them down. I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest warriors that ever lived. David knew that these men could track down them sorry, no-down thieves and get everything that they stole back. He knew they had the power to beat up on them. But he was asking God, is it okay for us to do that? Sometimes that we have the strength, we have the ability, we have the knowledge, the know-how, the finances, whatever. And you know what we do? We just exercise our will without ever asking God if it's okay to do it. 
You know why we don't see people saved like we used to? You know why don't we don't see the baptismal waters moving like we used to? Why we don't see... Do you know I had to mention this? I don't know if it was here or somewhere else I preached in the last few weeks, but they had this vote over in Pell City whether or not to let them sell liquor within 200 feet of a church or in a school and all. Y'all hear about that over here in this part of town? They, they voted yes, it's okay to do that. I'm telling you, when I was a kid growing up, that never even would have come to vote. Never even would have been the idea of selling alcohol 200 feet from a church or a school. Never even would have come to a vote. You know why we don't see that anymore? Because we do things in our own strength. We rely on our own power and our own ability and our own education and what we can do and we don't consult God about anything. We got the people and the finances to do it. Bless God, let's just do it. Well, maybe God ain't in it. But David prayed. He sought the Lord. What God, what is it that you want me to do? So when you don't know what to do, it's always good to pray. It's always good to just seek the Lord. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, Be careful for nothing. That doesn't mean worry or be anxious. It means right the opposite of it. It means to be firm and be exact and know. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be prayerful. Just talk to God. Go to Him with whatever it is, and He'll meet your need. He'll hear you. He'll, he'll give you what you need, when you need it, however much you need, and sometimes He'll even duck more on you than you do need. Just spend time talking to Him. A lot of times we don't get an answer because we just never call. Number three, we'll move on. Be thankful, be prayerful. Number three, look in verse 10. Verse 10. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Basor. Number three is just simply be obedient. When God gives you the direction to go in, when God tells you what it is that He wants you to do, just go do it. Don't worry about all the stuff. Don't worry about the hows and the wheres and the whys and the, and the who. Just go do what God told you to do. Just be obedient. There's some things, you know, people talk about God's will. And I don't have time to pursue this uh, rabbit trail this morning, but, but people talk about God's will. Let me just tell you something this morning. God's will is God's word. If it says it in God's word, it's His will for you. You don't have to pray about it. We just need to be obedient to it. And if it's not in there, then steer clear of it. It's that simple. God's will is what's in His word. Sometimes the most difficult step is this one because it's done by faith. We don't always see. We don't always know but we just have to be obedient to what it is he puts before us. My wife and I were talking on the way over this morning. I told her, I said, you know, it doesn't matter how good a Christian somebody is, human nature, the human nature in us just does not like change. 
you're in coming into a new position, you might have done the same thing somewhere else in another, you know, county, state, something. But change, it's different. It's something new. So we're, we're, we're kind of antsy about change sometimes because we just don't know. But by faith, we just have to be obedient. We just have to do what he tells us to do. And David did exactly what God told him to do. The Bible says there in verse 10, David pursued. Here's another verse for you. I, I, I can only give you the scripture. Was my opinion don't matter. Acts 5 and verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles, this is after the man had been healed, and a few days later uh, he had been healed on the temple steps, and a few days later uh, God healed somebody else and done something. They got uh, Peter and them together and said, Didn't we tell you all a few days ago to quit doing this kind of stuff? And in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Well, wouldn't it be a good thing if God's people started obeying him instead of the crowd? If God's people started obeying the book again instead of the ebb and tide of, of culture and what people thought and what the group thought and what the world thought and what the TV thought, if we just obeyed God again, life would be different. David wasn't influenced by the culture. He just became obedient to God and just like... Peter and the other apostles, they said, it'd be better for us if we just obey God than man. Give you another one, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 22. The Bible says, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Sometimes we want to throw ourselves up on the altar of sacrifice and God wants to kick us back off and say, I don't want your sacrifice, I just want you to do what I told you to do. How many times your kids come in with an explanation or a reason or some, you know, tomfoolery and you want to just grab them by the ears and say, why couldn't you just do what I told you to do? God's the same way with us. Sometimes he wants to just grab us and shake us and say, why don't you just obey? It'd be so much easier. It'd be so simple if you just obeyed my word by faith. Just do it. Number four. Number one, be thankful. Number two, be prayerful. Number three, be obedient. Number four, be thoughtful. Be thoughtful. Look in verse 11. They found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. Now, God's given David the authority to go and pursue and find all of his stuff his wife, all their families, all the things that they had lost, and take care of these men. You go further in verse 12, and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. Y'all had lunch yet? Hope y'all ate a good breakfast. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. You got to get the, the real picture of what's going on here. David and these warriors are chasing hard after the enemy. They're going to find what's been taken from them. And in the process, they come up on a little Egyptian boy out in the desert. And he's over about to die. Most people would have just rode by and said, he's too far gone, 
He's, the, he's an Egyptian. He's the enemy anyway. Just let him die. But David didn't do that, did he? David said, boys, hold up the wagons for a minute. He said, there's somebody over there that needs help. And we're going to be kind. We're going to extend some love and some grace, some mercy and some kindness while we're on the way. You know what? Sometimes you'll get the best blessing in life out of just slowing down to be kind to somebody else. Quit worrying about you and quit worrying about what it is that you've got to do or get to and just stop long enough to be kind and help somebody else. Just, just be kind. Just a little kindness goes a whole long way if we'll just exercise it. So be thoughtful of those around you. Go out of your way to be nice to somebody. Go out of your way to do something special for somebody. You may gripe and grumble about it, but if you go over there to Matthew, I don't have time to preach the sermon this morning, but in Matthew chapter 5, the Bible says that if you're compelled to go one mile, the Roman soldier could compel you to take his pack for a mile. Y'all know that story in the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus said, I'll tell you what, go two miles. You know what, we as Christians need to learn to be two milers. Not just quit after the first mile. That's just your obligation. Go beyond what's expected of you. Go beyond the reasonable. Jesus said, go two miles. That'll make a difference. Be thoughtful. Be kind. Extend yourself. Why? Well, there's a promise in verse number 8. Look back there. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover some of your stuff. Is that what it says? Uh, it didn't say that, did it? It said you'll get it all. Yeah, David, you got the green light. Go ahead. And I'm going to give you everything you lost back. You're not going to lose a thing. Kind of like Job, wasn't it? Job lost it all, but what did he get back? He got back double. Some more than double. And that's what God told David. But the promise in verse 8 could never happen. It could never be fulfilled without the kindness in verse 11. Because when David stopped to help that little Egyptian, it just so happened that that boy was part of that group that stole all of his stuff. And David said, you read on there verse 12 and 13, David said, what group are you with? What outfit you run with, soldier? That little Egyptian said, well, I know who you are. And I know what you want. And I'll tell you where your stuff is if you promise not to kill me. Well, David wasn't going to kill him anyway. I mean, he's feeding him and bringing him back to health. He'd have wanted to kill him. He'd just let him die. But as David was kind to him, nursed him back to health, and got to inquiring, the boy said, I can tell you where your stuff's at. And he did. And David went and the men went. And the Bible says if you read on down through there, we don't have time to go through the whole thing, but you get down to verse 18 and the Bible says, David Recovered all. That little word that God said all. And all means all. That the Amalekites had carried away 
And David rescued his two wives. Verse 19, And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. Now that's a wonderful blessing. David got everything back because he was kind. Philippians 2 and verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Matthew chapter 22, they come and ask Jesus, What's the greatest commandment? And you know the story. Jesus said the greatest commandment, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And he said, And the second's like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor how? As thyself. Well, I'm going to look around here. If some of y'all treated your neighbor like you treat yourself, your neighbor would be doing pretty good. Y'all like me, you like to eat. Your neighbor probably not no skinny person. Well, if I go ask, if you go ask my neighbor how I'm doing at treating them, they might tell you I don't do a good job on some days. I live on a dirt road and my neighbor drives too fast and sometimes I stand out in the front yard and do everything but almost curse at him. <laughs> Slinging dust. Sometimes it's not easy to do the right thing, is it? But he said we're to treat our neighbor like we want to be treated. Just extend kindness. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, God's told us we're to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Be thankful. Be prayerful. Be obedient. And even in our obedience, be kind. Be kind. Stop and help somebody along the way. There's nothing too important than being a blessing to somebody else. Church going through a tough time. You don't know what to do? Just pick one of these things out and start doing it. Just start being thankful. Start being encouraged. Hey, you come together on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, want to have a good time? Want to enjoy the presence of God's people and, and God being in your midst? That's got to start at home. You got to encourage yourself and the Lord at home and then bring it with you. If, if, it doesn't matter who's standing up here. If he looks out here and all he can see is Folks look like they had lemon juice in their Wheaties. You know what? It's going to be a tough service. But if he's standing up here trying to be a blessing to you, then you know what? It would be easy for you to receive God's blessing if you bring him with you. Next couple of weeks, you pastor's going to preach. You know what? It'll encourage him. You know what? He can help you more. When he stands up here and he looks out, he sees a bunch of happy people that's already encouraged themselves in the Lord or they ever even got to church. Be a blessing. Just be thankful. Pray. Meet together. Pray. pray. You can't ever pray too much. You can't ever pray enough. You just pray, pray, pray. All the time pray. Just pray. Find a place. Go pray. My boys sometimes wonder, why is daddy, I got a little white trailer I haul around these disasters. I'll go out there in it sometimes. Why in the world is he going out there? But they've learned. You, sometimes you just got to go. Just got to go away. Just got to pray. Find a place. Obey what God tells you to do. And be kind.
Walk could use a lot more kindness. You, you, you catch more flies with honey, don't they say? Just kindness. Just kindness. And you know what? If you try to practice some of those things, you'll turn around and it'll be six months, a year down the road, and you won't even remember what's happened. God be blessed you so good, took care of everything so well. He'll be done give you everything back you thought you lost. Because he promised that you'd recover all. He's not going to let the church die. He's not going to let anything bad happen. Just keep encouraged. Stay encouraged in him. I'm trying to find a place to unhook the wagon. I just ain't found it yet. (laughs) Let's bow our heads and pray. I think they have a hymn prepared for the invitation today. Maybe this is your time with the Lord. This is what it's all about. It's not about me or results or numbers or anything else. It's about the fact that you came to the Lord's house today to meet Him and to fellowship with Him and enjoy the fellowship of God's people together corporately and for Him, the Holy Spirit, to challenge you from His Word, to encourage you from His Word. And if He's done that today, then He wants you to respond to that. He wants you to come and Take a place at the altar. If you can't kneel at an altar, you take a place there at your pew or on one of these front pews and just tell him how much you love him, how thankful you are for him and that you know that he's going to get you through. Maybe there's some other things that are going on in your life. Our heads are bowed, nobody's looking around. Just problems, things that you can't deal with. You need somebody to help you pray about those things. I promise you, nobody's looking. The song leader's not looking. Nobody's looking but me and the Holy Spirit. Preacher, there's some things that I need some help. I need some prayer help about in my life. Would you pray for me? Anybody anywhere, just put your hand up and right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Preacher, I'm here today and I don't know that if I died today I'd go to heaven. I, I do have trouble sometimes understanding what's going on at church and and I want to know I want to be a Christian I've got religion but I'm not sure I have that relationship Lord speaking to my heart about it would you pray for me anybody like that anywhere in the building just raise your hand up and right back down nobody's looking only me you'll not be embarrassed preacher I don't know today would you pray for me Father you know our hearts you've seen the hands God folks have things and They need your help today. God, there's not one thing this human flesh can do. But God, the Holy Spirit, you can do something, Lord. Your word can help us. Your word can change us. Those that have raised their hand today, they were honest before you. God, I pray you'll meet them at the point of their need. Send the Holy Spirit to strengthen them and encourage them and direct them to what it is that they need to help them in their situation. God, as we give this time to you, this time of invitation, Lord, where we spend time with you, thanking you for your goodness and what you've done in our heart and life today, may you have control and may you be honored in Jesus' name. As we stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed, this is a quiet time and it's time for you just to come and if you want to spend a few minutes with the Lord. Just telling him how thankful you are for what he's done for you. Or maybe asking him to give you a new burden. Asking for direction, what you might could do during this difficult time in the church. Maybe you could step up and do something you've never done before. Uh, Be a blessing to, to 
with other folks that are working and serving or whatever it might be. You come and you join these that are already here. This is your time.